You know, uh, this morning I'm going to talk about a strong life. And how many of you know that, uh, what do you think Superman, Spider-Man, the U.S. military, and Mother Teresa have in common? Well, Pastor, that sounds, that's, that's kind of like a gumbo. Well, they all have, they're all symbols of strength. Every one of them. When I think of, you know, these are heroes. They, 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 they're symbols of strength. Why? Because they've had adversity and they've had hardship. How many of you have had a little adversity in your life? How many of you have dealt with some hardship? Sam would say, it's been hard, but I'm still in the ship. You see, you know, I, I think about Mother Teresa. Everybody knows who she is. She, she, uh, uh, she, she had acts of charity and devotion to the poor, the poorest of the poor. She, uh, she, many people didn't know that her, she, while she was ministering to the poor, that she actually had severe health problems. As she was giving out to people that were hurting. In other words, in 1983, she had a massive heart attack. In 1989, she had a heart attack and had a pacemaker put in. In 1991, she battled with pneumonia while in Mexico and had a, had a heart, her heart suffered again. In 1996, she suffered from malaria and failure, and, and failure in her left ventricle. And then in 1997, her suffering finally gave out, and she went to go be with the Lord. But, you know, that's not, it's not that she suffered, but through all the pain and suffering that remained, uh, there remained the object of strength that she never gave up. She had a never giving up attitude. How many of you know that? She just never gave up. And, and at the time of her death, listen, she established 610 different missions around the world. Not only that, but in 123 countries, over 1 million people volunteering their lives to the poorest of poors, poor people. And it was one lady that she literally stood before Bill Clinton on the platform in Washington, D.C. and asked him, why, did he, why was he given permission to kill the poorest of poor, those that are unborn? God gave her a platform. Why? In the midst of her weakness. How many of you know she could have made excuses? That's it. I just quit. You see, but if you, desire, if you desire strength, you can't sit around at a bookstore and just read books. How many of you know I'm talking about? You can't just sit at the coffee shop, and it's okay to go to the coffee shop, but you just can't sit there and think that you're going to be an overcomer sitting in a coffee shop and enjoying a latte or a cappuccino or whatever they have. But here's the thing, you know, it's like you can't just soak up knowledge. You've got you've to begin to carry weight you got to take on weight. Say it when you say weight. And begin to learn to carry the weight that God puts in your life. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? You know, in the book of Philippians, and that's where we're going to camp out today, it's really, it's, 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 it's a book, it's a prison epistle. What do you mean? It's actually when Paul is in prison, and, 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 it's in, and if you look in their time, it's, it's 60 years after the death of Jesus that they believe that he was actually in the, in the Philippian jail, and he was guarded for two years, day and night. Say to me, two years. I mean, that's a long time to be in jail. And he's being guarded. He's being watched. He's being asked questions. He's being provoked. And see, you know, whether lifting weights or running or swimming, if you want results, you have to be able to be willing to walk through some pressure or resistance. How many of you have had to walk through some resistance and pressure as of late? And see, what happens is when you begin to take that weight on, all of a sudden you begin to push back. 
And we, go, we don't like the resistance sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. We don't like what people say. We don't like the circumstance we're in. But unless we begin to get at that weight bar and begin to press it, all of a sudden what begins to happen, we don't see it, but God is building spiritual muscles and God is building spiritual attitude in us to be able to resist what the enemy is trying to push on us. Amen? And in this world, you're going to have cares. And it may not be the devil. It just may be the world in this culture. So, if you can't tell, I'm a little excited. Tension and pressure are strength builders. Say it with me. Say tension. Tension. Pressure. Pressure. No one likes it. No one loves to go, all right, Lord, just bless me with a little pressure today. Lord, I just need a, I just need, I need some tension up in my marriage. I need some tension up in my relationship. Lord, I need some tension in my job. Oh, bring it on, God. Where you been? I'm waiting for the pressure. But the most of the time, we're trying to run from the pressure. We're trying to run from the weight. And see, when we, when we long for life without difficulties, let me just say, you remain. You know what? What happens is, you know, I, I think we have these oak trees planted along the property in different places. But you know what? Those oak trees have to be willing to do. They have to resist the wind and the elements. And when they do, their, their roots begin to grow deeper and wider to be able to hold them, to resist the wind, resist the pressure, resist the things. There's a bamboo shoot in, in, in the Far East that before it grows, it grows its roots for six years. It grows its roots like just massively for six years. And then in the seventh year, it grows 100 foot. Why is that? Because it's preparing everything around it to be able to stand what it's going to have to resist. Amen? And for us, many of us, you see, in this word, we can't escape trouble. You know what? You can't run from trouble. How many of y'all talking about? Have you tried to run from trouble before? How many of you have been chased by a dog? Come on, that's running from trouble. How many of you know that you hadn't been meeting your obligations as a husband and you see your wife at the door and she didn't have a smile, she has a weight look on you. You're trying to run from pressure. You're trying to run from trouble. Or, you know what? Your children are walking through pressure and they're walking through difficulty and it's the very thing that's going to build them and make them and help them to be. And see, what happens is a lot of times as parents, we try to protect our children from the things. We go, well, I don't want them to go through that. See, God, the only way God can help your children is you allow them to walk through some of the things you walk through. And I'm not saying bad choices. I'm saying don't hold them from things that's going to grow them. Am I making sense here this morning? But see, sometimes we need to allow things to take place in their lives so we can guide them and direct them and help them to learn to stand the winds and the pressures of this life. You cannot just create a cocoon around your child all of its life. Thank you for all those amens. Adversity is a guarantee, so stop being like an ostrich with his head in the ground and stand hoping troubles will just pass you by. You see, John chapter 16, Jesus said, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. You said, you're going to have trouble in this world. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials. Boy, how many want to claim that promise? Okay, that's his words. Okay? We like all the ones that 
that hang at Christian bookstores and the little banners, you know, the strength, you know, the Lord is my strength. He is my peace. But right here he's saying, I said, I've told you here on this, you're going to have trials, you're going to have sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now listen to me. Here's a thought you need to understand. And here's something you need to really understand through what he's saying right here. And see, what happens, the Christian race is the only race in the world that begins at the finish line. What do you mean? Jesus paid the price for our sins. How many of you understand that? That he's willing to die for us. He conquered death, hell, and the grave that keeps us back. And what happens is he gives us victory. He gives us strength. He overcame. He's saying, look, hey, look, I did all that for you. You start at the end. You see, a lot of us are looking and we're running for victory, trying to find victory in our lives. But see, what happens is that the bottom line is, is that in, in Christian, we don't fight for victory. We, we, you know what? We fight from victory because he already paid the price. He already took what needed to be done. We, we fight from his victory. You see, most of us are around, I need victory. I need joy. I need peace. I need, wow. Ah! What we need to understand is that he's done everything for us. He's done everything for God doesn't send the problems, but sometimes he allows us to go through them. Here's the question. Why? You ever wonder that? Why? Why? The pressure and the trials, they always reveal our heart and things that we need to change. You see, how many of you know sometimes when there's pressure, we need to change our attitude? We need to have an attitude of gratitude. Instead of attitude, well, why don't this old lady just move her darn car? Then you go by and you see a handicapped thing on her thing. You can see she's barely doing it, and then it changes your perspective and your attitude. teaches us the pressures help us in our areas of compromise sometimes our pride anybody ever deal with pride don't be humble how many of you dealt with pride how about selfishness pressure deals with selfishness you know you start hearing people that share these stories of great exploits and what they're doing you know, I, 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 I mean, I like reading stories, and I love reading stories of, of a victory, but I also love reading stories that are true. I was reading a story about some people that were in microchina, and what happened is that her, she was a doctor, and he, her husband was a doctor, and they were both put in prison, and they were dealing with affliction and suffering, but they did allow her to have her Bible, but she didn't have a pen. So what she would do, she would use her sweat, and she would use her hair, and she would use the dirt, and she made things out of little sticks and stuff. And she literally had a notebook full by the time she was released of just things God spoke to her because she had her Bible. You see, how many of you know that we have Bibles all over America? You know, when a village in China gets a Bible, they rejoice, but they have to rejoice quietly. You know why? Bibles aren't allowed. So what they do, if, they, if they're caught with a Bible, they go to jail. They go to prison. They suffer affliction. 
here, you know, we have the word of God that's so accessible. You see, God deals with our, our selfishness. He deals with our motives. Why do we do the things we do? And who do we do them for? James 1 tells us to have joy. <laughs> joy. Have joy in trials. I mean, you know, that's hard. Because trials produce steadfastness. Or it's, it gives us firm Faith, that's what steadfastness means. It means God begins to build firm faith in us. How many of you say, Pastor Bubba, I need some strong, firm faith in my own personal walk with God? Well, here we go. Let's do it. I wanted in, in, in this, this morning, you know, it's not the trial that, that, that matures you. It's our response to the trial that shows us, shows the world Jesus is inside of us. Does that make sense? And so what I want to do is I want to strengthen you to this morning through the word of God, through the book of Philippians. And we're going to talk from, uh, we're going to read some verses this morning, but we're going to talk four ways to respond to adversity. How many of you say that might be all right for me, Pastor Baba? So you have a notebook page and I'm going to have some extra notes. And so let's just begin to read. Be, the first thing you need to understand is if you're going to face adversity, you got to be positive. Be positive. Say me, say be positive. Okay, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. And so here's Paul. He's in prison. Just as God used the sling in David's hand and the jars in Gideon's hand to to wipe out his enemies, and also as God gave Moses the rod in his hand, God put chains upon Paul's hands. And you go, well, what, what does that mean, Pastor Bubba? See, we, you know, in other words, what happens, it's not surprising. The chains are what opened. It actually, the chains that were on him opened the door for him to be able to speak to people that had questions and dealt with pressures and dealt with adversity in their own life. And God was able, people who, who would, another, what, they would never come and ask, what? what happened to you? And he was able to tell the story. Look at me. I want to tell you something. There may be some of you here this morning. You're a, mother, you're a wife and your husband's not serving God. And it's hard. It's difficult. You go through trials. You go through tribulations. And can I just tell you something? Sometimes that's like a weight. That's like a chain. But people are watching and Jesus is there to strengthen. Because you know what? There's going to come a day. Look at me. There's going to come a day that God is going to use what you've been able to walk through. To see your husband get saved. Hello. Or it could be someone. Maybe it may be someone like this. It could be at your job. And there are people that just put pressure on you. And, and try to kind of get you riled up. I know you don't, there's no one like that in work at your job. Okay, but when I worked, there was people always trying to get me riled up. They were watching, they were doing, and then after a while, they goes, "Why are you so man? Why in here come on? Why are you so? I mean, get that stupid look off of your face, like you're always happy. What's going on with you?" And then they test your happiness. Come on, I remember I used to work here, and I used to do a route for a pipeline company. And I'd go pick up this guy, and he's from Welsh. And I'm not going to tell you his name, but it was in. And I remember I'd go pick him up, and we'd have to go check this pipeline and check it. And he always knew that I had a Bible on my front seat, okay? Because I was, I was going to. And I remember we'd go to the workroom, and he goes, all right. 
And then I'll have all the guys right. And he didn't embarrass me before he goes, uh-huh. You one of them tongue talkers? See, I know you got that Bible on your seat. What you really need to be doing is pulling out the Playboys from underneath your seat. I mean, just... And then I remember, I mean, I was so embarrassed. But you know, the crazy thing is when he'd get in the truck with me and he just watched me work during the day, after a while he goes, why are you so happy? What church you go to? Y'all swing from chandeliers? Do you? I mean, he started doing all this stuff. And then when, you know what? Some things started happening in his life. And guess what I was able to do? Just simply pray for him. And I'll never forget one day I'm in his office and he looks, he's just standing because, you know what? He's, he goes, that guy Bubba, he's the real thing. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I want to pimp slap him. <laughs> Shut up. Man, you bother me. Man, it was the pressure. Come on. How many you know you're like that, that pressure cooker? You know, with those. You know what I mean? You're going, and he's like, you see one more thing, and you're going, oh! How about at school? How about the students that are here this morning? Some at school, they're testing your faith. Oh, you one of them? You a virgin? A virgin? You don't smoke no hoochie with us? Come on. Are you, you can't be, what? You see, the bottom line is, guys, are y'all with me? I just believe this, in your marriage, at your work, and at school, Paul had every reason to be negative. He had every reason to be negative. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He, by, he was bit by a snake. He was stoned. That didn't mean, doesn't mean he was smoking. It means he was hit by rocks. Just clarify that, all right? And much more. You see, Paul had every reason to question the goodness of his God. How many of you ever questioned God's goodness? Come on, let's be real. God, you're good, but boy, it ain't good right now. God, I don't feel your goodness. I feel affliction. I feel like, God, where are you? See, Paul had every reason to complain. How many of you know that I, can I just say, sometimes I've met professional complainers. How many of you got a few relatives like that in, that you have? Don't nudge anybody right now. You'll give them away. Sometimes, you know, it's kind of like this. It's like the old World War II saying, loose lips sink ships. And people that are loose about their lifestyle, loose about their lips, loose about things, how it affects so many people. Paul didn't have loose. Through all the trials and all the adversities, you know, he continually saw that everything that happened to him was for the advancement of the gospel. What does that mean? See, I'm convinced that the troubles and the challenges and the problems in our lives that we face are custom designed for one thing. To allow us to draw others to Jesus, encourage them in Jesus' name. God allows trials sometimes to put the pressure on us to give us an audience. Come on. 
How many of you pray, God, help me to be able to minister to people like I've never ministered to them before? How many God use me? Anybody pray that? Sometimes God uses those things. Because, see, what happens is when you get squeezed and people see you getting squeezed. Kind of like what Pastor Josh and Lindsay are going through every day that we don't have no idea. Being squeezed. We don't have the same perspective they do every day. They, they wake up and they go, God, we're believing for a miracle. They don't know if it's the last day or if they have 10 years, 20 years. You understand? It just changes perspective. But the one thing that we've seen in them, we've seen the glory and the goodness and the faithfulness of God shine through them. Amen? We love you guys. And we're praying for you. Come on, y'all give it up for Pastor Josh and Lindsay. I'm so proud of them. See, God remained positive, not because of his circumstances. Paul remained, he, he, they, were, they, they were positive because he knew God was faithful and God was good no matter what he went through. Listen, God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. He promises that in 1 Corinthians. He said, hey, you're not going to be able to go beyond what you're able But you know what? Stand firm. That's what he says. It's because he has prepared you. He's preparing you for whatever you're walking. He's prepared it for you. He's given you everything you need to walk through what you have to walk through. Amen? Everything. Listen, people are going, well, I'm going to go to this conference. I'm going to go to that conference. Everything you need is not in the conference, honey. Everything you need is right here in this book. Everything you need is when you pull that book out. The devil wants to keep you from this book. It's kind of like the old Chinese proverb, clean Bible, dirty Christian. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. And see, what God wants is he wants you in this book, on your face, on your knees, in a relationship, in prayer. What does that do? Listen, how many of you know that you know the temptations and the trials that you go through every day? Pretty much the same. That's why you need to get up early in the morning before those trials and temptations come to you and you start telling God what you need before those things come at you. And that's why we go to prayer and we go, God, I need you today. Help me. And sometimes when you don't need to, you don't know what to pray. Sometimes you need to take your hands and grab in your chest and pull it out and go, God, this is my heart. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but you see my heart. Help me. Fill me for what I need for this day. Then you take that heart and you put it back in. And you walk with the power and the strength of God. Amen. Some days I just, I mean, can I be honest with you? Some days I don't even know what to pray. Some days I don't know how to pray. But those are the days that I know that God wants me to pray. Those are the days that I need God more than I've ever needed him before. Are y'all with me this morning? The second thing is stay purposeful. See, Philippians, we're not getting out of Philippians. We're staying there. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard. Now, the palace guard were kind of like army rangers. They were the Navy SEALs. They, these were the serious guys. These are the guys that had a little, we like to call it in Cajun, extra, extra training. 
okay? They can look at you and just take you out, okay? And these are serious guys. And knows that I am in change because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly, and boldly speaks God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love, they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preached about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains even more painful to me. But, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message of Christ is being preached. Either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. In other words, here it is. Think about this. Here's these guys. First of all, I think about the guards, the Praetorian guards. The Praetorian guards were these radical guys. They knew how to do stuff, okay? And see, Paul's greatest desire was to go to Rome. So guess what? Because he couldn't go to Rome, God brought Rome to him through the guards. Because these were the guys that had respect by the other soldiers because they knew they were extra training. These were like the mighty men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? These are the guys that were mighty. So when they would leave, every six hours, a new Praetorian guards would come, and they would begin to watch over Paul's cell. And Paul began to talk to them about Christ. As he was in chains, he was writing letters. They knew he had an education. They knew he was all this stuff, but they didn't see something religious in him. They saw something that was real in this man, that he had a passion for Jesus, and I believe this, God, want, I believe this for every one of us, God has given us a, a Jesus kind of passion, a Jesus passion for something, whatever it is, if it's to teach children, if it's to be a nurse, it's your God-given passion, are you hearing me? Or to be a businessman, to be able to further the kingdom of God. And they saw Paul, so what God did, God has a great strategy, he said, you know what? He's not going to Rome right now, but I'm going to send the best of the best before him, he gets to Rome. And I'm going to use them. And they got, listen, for two years, he had the best soldiers. And what do you think those soldiers did when they left that? They went and began to share with their friends because they met Christ. And as they met Christ, they began to share Christ with others. And I don't know if you knew this, but before in Christian, in, in Christian history, it was the Roman soldiers that began to have revival within themselves. I think about our military. I saw a video the other day, and our military, our guys are raising their hands and praising God. You can hear all the other stuff, but you can't stop these guys from worshiping Jesus. You see, I believe this, that Paul, God had a purpose for Paul. See, Paul stayed on task. He maintained his priorities, and he kept the mission. For us, we need to maintain the priority. It's having a relationship with Jesus. He kept his head in the game. You know what? The enemy's trying to get your head out of the game. Kind of like, I, I mean, I used to listen, like that old song, Farney, used to say, head games. He's trying to put head games on you. So that, that's in the late 70s anyway. Just, I'm just just came to me. Head games. That song. What, what's your mission? Can I answer your mission for you? It's to spread the gospel no matter the cost. See, 
It's not just having a relationship and you get by and you make it to heaven. God wants you to bring people with you. How many of you believe that's what it should be about? How many of you got people that you love that don't know Jesus? Anybody in here? How many of you praying for them? How many of you believe more? And some may have been serving Jesus, but they got sidetracked by other people. And they, heard they, they were around other people that were like wolves in sheep's clothing. And at one time they had a personal relationship, but they allowed some wound or offense to get to them. And it's, it's, it's gotten to your friend and their heart has become hardened. God has put you in their lives. He didn't just, you know, he, Paul didn't see himself as a victim. He saw himself as a conqueror through Jesus Christ. He said, he said this, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. Who what? Strengthens me. Here, listen to me. If you need strength, he's the one that will strengthen you. Ephesians says it like this. I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message is God's ambassador. So pray that I keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. He's an ambassador. Paul spread the gospel through the Praetorian Guard, the elite of the Roman army. They, they, they in turn spread it to the emperor and beyond. Think about it. If you stayed on mission, you can endure the trial. Listen, it's momentary light affliction. It's just for a moment. It's not going to last forever. It's just a moment. You're feeling the pressure. You see, you got to say, no matter the failure, no matter the financial loss, the rejection, the relationship, the relationship hurt, if you keep your eyes on the prize, you'll endure to the end. See, listen to me. The enemy is constantly trying to bump you off course. It's kind of like this. How many of you have, an, have you ever used a navigation system? And you chart your course, and it tells you how to get there, right? And if you get off a course, what does it say? It annoys the heck out of you, doesn't it? Rerouting. See, let me tell you something. God's got a course for you. And sometimes we just like to go off course. And it's like the Holy Spirit goes, rerouting. We're going to get you back. Come on, get back. How many of you know that we've all blown it? How many of you have all failed in here? How many of you have done stupid stuff? Come on. And you've blown it? How many of you lost the victory? Then welcome to the human race. That's why we need a God. You see, what he does, he reroutes us back to the, 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 right back to the course that he set before us. It's got to stay in mission. Let, let me just say, adversity will always attempt to make you forget what God's called you to do or your calling. There, there's a big difference between falling down. That's Peter. Okay, remember Peter? He blew it, didn't he? And falling away. That's Judas. Big difference between falling down and falling away. Grace means God's got your back. Get up. See, if you've been laid out, and you've just been kind of hardened or you've allowed the world to get to you, if you, you know what? It's not you haven't abandoned God, but you need to get back up on your feet. But what I love what the Bible says, it says the righteous, you know, listen, you know what? The righteous, we may fall, but we rise again. Sometimes we need to have a personal resurrection. Am I in the right church this morning? 
I just want to come and just shake your chair. And just say, wake up. You see, adversity comes. See, the word fear stands for false evidence appears real. How does the devil work in you? You ain't going to make it. You no good for nothing. Barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Cameron Harbor. That's all you are. Good looking, my God. Have you looked in the mirror lately? You look like a weathered rag. You accomplished what? Are you kidding me? We know your past. You barely made it through school. How do you think you're going to communicate to your friends? Hello? A good marriage. Have you seen your mate lately? My God, that's a miracle. Your children going to make it to heaven? Good luck. Those little hellions you raised. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how the enemy comes in. God's got greatness written on your life. Here's the third point. Let me go on. Philippians 1, 19 through 26. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. How many of you need some deliverance? For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed. But, I will, but that I would continue to be bold for Christ. How many of you want that one? And I have been, in the, as I've been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or I die. So, so to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't, I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go. And be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I, remain, I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And then I will come to you again. You will, even, you will have even more reason to take pride in Jesus Christ because of what he is doing through me. The only way to rejoice through life is to be happy about life. Listen, to be full of joy in life is to say, you know what? If you want full joy, you want the joy of Jesus, this is what you got to identify with Jesus being in my life. And that brings joy to me. He lives in me. It's no longer I that lives. It's Christ who lives in me. Look at me. Christ lives in you. Identify with that. See, the world goes, what? Why do they call them Christians? You know why they call them? Because they saw, you like, you're like a little Jesus. You're like Jesus. You're like that guy. The crucified one. What a great compliment. Amen? You're Christ. You're his hands. You're his feet. You're his eyes. You're his mouthpiece. You're a vessel being willing to be poured out for his kingdom. My God in heaven, I'm preaching better than you're shouting or clapping this morning. You see, the third thing is maintain perspective. You know, so many times the enemy wants us to get off and see the perspective. Whatever you encounter, whenever you encounter adversity, understanding that, that it's only, you have to understand that it's only temporary. But it'll help you endure. It's temporary. See, we must understand that heaven, look at me, heaven's our home. 
It's hard for us to comprehend that. But heaven's our home. We're not staying here forever. Thank you, Jesus. When I go to heaven, I'm six foot four. I don't know about you. I'm going to live in my redeem. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to be good looking too. I'm going to be free from the cares of this life. I'm going to be able to worship the one that helped me while I lived through this life and that he was with me. And you know the story, the history? He'll remind me of the history that we had while I was here on this earth. And see, if you make history in your personal time with God, one day you can make, he'll make history with you. You see, you have to understand, everything on earth is temporary. It's not eternal. Nothing in this life will last. Now, sometimes you, you're, what you're going through, it seems like it's going to last forever. It's only temporary. You know, I've been to some countries, and they go, let's go on the tour. And I remember going to see it uh, when I was in... Uh, in Yorkshire, England, and they were going, we're going to go on this tour. And the church was starting to be built in like the year 700. And so it was under construction for almost like, for like 1,200 years. And they're always going, and I mean, it was like crazy. And I was going, man, that's, that's stinking old. And then people live in houses there that are 500 years old. There's hardly anything here in America that's 500 years old. I mean, I'm talking about the city, I mean, First Baptist Church was started in, what, 1897? Is that what the sign says? One of those. Anyway, I passed through there. Don't act like you hadn't passed by there. But, and, and I think, man, that's hardly anything. But think about it. The Bible says that this is all temporary. How many of you ever built something? You know, this is going to last. I'm going to pass it down generation. I have, a, I have a portrait in my house that was given to me by the, the patriarch in my family, my Uncle Robert. And it was given to me. He said, you know what? You're the oldest McCann son that has sons. Now, he has a son that's older than me. He says, but he said, you have sons, and you can pass this picture down to your next generation. It's a picture of my great-grandfather and, when, and, and his children, and my grandfather's the baby in the picture. Okay? That means he had a dream and a desire, but you know what? God had a dream and desire that he wouldn't just pass the picture down, but that the McCann family would live in eternity with him. See, look at the back of the book. I want you to ask you something. Who wins? Not the maps. Who wins? See, stop... Living life for the here and now. G- James says, tell, he tells us that life is just a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. Revelation says, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are going away forever. Listen to me. You know why he says he's going to wipe our tears Because we're going to be sad. Maybe some of our relatives, our children, someone that we prayed for, aren't going to be in eternity with us. He's going to wipe our tears. And then we will remember them no more. We did what we could while we were here. So if if God, listen, if their eternity is dependent on 
us. Are you hearing me? Proclaiming the name of Jesus. Here's my question. What the heck are we doing? See, at this church, can I just make a confession? We're going to continue to plant churches. At this church, we're not taking birth control at this church. We're going to birth more churches. Do you understand what I'm saying? You'll get that later one day. But the fourth thing, and it's the last thing, is you need to remain powerful. What do you mean, Pastor? Above all, let me just read, and I'm going to close it up. Above all, you must live as citizens of what? Come on, are y'all with me? Citizens of what? Heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again and only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that you are going to be dest- that they are that they are going to be destroyed. But you, but that you are going to be saved, even by God Himself, for you have. You have been given not only the privilege of trusting Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are not in the struggle together. For We are in the struggle together. You have, you have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. See, if you're being attacked, well, let, me just, let me just tell you. If you're being attacked, it's proof the enemy sees you as a worthy target. If you're, if it's proof that you're making an impact, that you're doing something. Listen to me. Let me ask you, how many of you been attacked this week? How many had some try? Okay, look, let's just get, okay, let's, look, put your pins down, look at me. Let's not act religious and let's not have high church this morning. Let's have real church. Okay, look at me. How many of you had some, just some stuff come at you this week? How many of you have had things that it just seems like pressure come on you this week? How many of you had people say things that they didn't know it, but it just kind of just was like a knife in your heart? How many of you say, that happens to me all the time, Pastor? Everything you're saying, I deal with all the time. Come on, anybody in here? That's why we need him. You see, our strength comes from through weakness. When we admit that, you know what, I can't do this. I need him. You know, I take him. I take Jesus. See, listen to me. A new cassette tape ain't going to do it. A new little quote. uh, uh, Look, a Facebook post that everybody likes me. I got more than 10 people like my quote. That doesn't get you through the week. That doesn't stand before the devil and go, see, devil, they like me. Forget all that stuff. The question is, are you putting him on? Come on, I can do things through him that I can't do with myself. I used to stop, I used to talk to high school kids and I used to give this analogy and, 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 and things. It would be like this. It would be like, I can't play professional football, but if I unzip Drew Brees, okay, I can, I'm limited. But if I unzip Drew Brees and I stepped into him and zipped him back, I become an incredible thrower of the ball. I can do all kinds of things. But see, how many are you talking about on the football field? We ain't doing that good this year, so we're thinking about replacement. But anyway, 
But what happens is, is it, is it, it's us going, hold on. And you unzip and you go, Jesus, I'm stepping into you. And the devil goes, who do you think you are? Hey, don't mess with me, mess with him. Jesus is here with me. Talk to him. See, we got to give the Lord permission. Lord, talk to him. Say, what? You messing with my brother? I'm going to dot you in the eye, devil. Mess with him, you mess with me. Cross the line, I take you out. Are you understanding? So many times you go, the devil got me this way. I just don't know what to do. Our strength comes from weakness. God, I'm weak. God, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I'm perplexed. I mean, I'm, I'm just, God, I don't know what to do in this situation. I called my pastor this week. I go, Pastor, I don't need your help. I just need your wisdom. He goes, that's easy. Tell me what. And I just share. And he gave me some wisdom. He gave me a different perspective to see from. And it made me realize, you know what? I can go with God's power because I have a new perspective. I'm not seeing it through my own eyes. I've enlarged the lens. And he helped me to see the eyes of God. And I can step in his eyes. And I begin to see people. And I begin to see my circumstances through the, the Jesus contact lenses. Paul asked, for his thorn and his flesh to be taken away. God replied, my grace is sufficient, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. How many of you ever asked God to take something away from you? God said, no, my peace is sufficient. Let's be honest. It's easy to do the wrong thing in our distorted culture, isn't it? And no one to gripe, no one to complain about it. It's easy to give in, but pressure can be but pressure can be good. It's a God thing. If you respond correctly under pressure, you'll grow. I found a quote that said, No adversity equals no opportunity for God to show up. Let me just finish with this. Are y'all ready? Okay, y'all ready for me to finish, right? Please, Pastor, finish. 2 Corinthians 4, for our present troubles, listen to this, are small and won't last very long. Yet they will produce for us a glory that vastly overweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. I think about it. He's going, man, it's a small thing. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was thrown in open sea. He was cast in dungeons. And he's going, it's no problem. It's a little thing. Paul had an impressive resume. But in comparison to his relationship with Jesus, whatever his resume, priest, all those different, it didn't matter because he fell in love with Jesus. And because he loved Jesus and he knew what Jesus took him from, remember, he murdered Christians. 
What's your rap? I hadn't murdered anybody lately. I thought about it a few times. You can't bear the weight. See, I, I've learned this in life. Do you hear this morning? There may be a different weight that you've been carrying. And it's a weight that God wants to free you from. It's called the weight of sin. It's called the weight of guilt. It's called the weight of shame. And Jesus came to take your guilt, your shame, your sin, and take it on, as Pastor Josh shared earlier in that song. And he took it on for himself, on himself. And see, I believe this. If you came in here this morning, it was hard to sing and hard to do anything. You've been putting on a guilt and a shame. You've been putting on a coat that God's been taking off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Quit. Listen, what needs to happen is the cross. Listen, the cross represents death, that I come and I die. I die to me, I die to my ambitions, I die to myself, and I come and allow Jesus to live. But sometimes it seems like we're trying, to get, we're trying to get out of this life thing and trying to put death clothes back on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Get the grave clothes off. And God's saying, come on, put on my grace clothes. Put them on. Put that grace clothes Let me cover you. Let me protect you. Let me be with you. Let me strengthen you. Because listen to me, you can't do it by yourself. It's too hard to do it on your own. And the reason you're here this morning is that Jesus wants to take that weight. He wants to take that guilt. He wants to take that shame. He wants to take that sin, whatever it is. And he wants you to cast it on him. And the Bible says you cast your cares on him. What does it say? He'll take care of you. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Just bow your head. There's no one looking around this morning. You know, you say, Lord, I thank you that sometimes when you, when I have to give a message like this, it's sometimes it's hard because it's just speaking truth and there's so much. But God, would you just allow us to see we can't have freedom by ourselves. We can't figure it out. We can't manufacture it. We can't buy it. We have to be willing to come and say, God, I, I'm just weak. I've allowed the pressures of this world, this life. I've allowed even things that I've, I've allowed that I know that they're not right. They're sinful. And because of that, I've I've listened to them. I've bought into those lies. But, and I've carried this guilt and the shame. But Lord, this morning, not anymore. Not anymore. Lord, I thank you that you've called me to be powerful. You called me to begin to have perspective. Father, I'm coming this morning. I'm asking that you would forgive me take that shame that guilt Lord I'm weak just say it with me say Lord I'm weak I need you say it with me I need you say it loud I need you 
I want you. I don't want to live cold-hearted, filled with half-truths. I want all of you. And this morning, I come once again and I lay my life at the foot of the cross. I come to die. But I ask you to help me to live. That's you and you prayed that prayer and you really need it and you mean it and you want God more than anything. I just want you to stand to your feet right now. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead this morning. Just stand to your feet. All over this place, stand to your feet. I've realized this. If I'm not fully convinced, a half-convinced person can never lead someone that's cynical or critical to Jesus. You say, Pastor Bubba, this morning, I just want to dedicate my life fresh and new to Jesus. I've been serving God, but I haven't, I haven't allowed that fire to burn in me. I haven't allowed that passion to just, just begin to just come out of me. You say, Pastor, I want it. I want to step across the line and say, I want that passion. I want that fire. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn bright and clean in my life. That's me, Pastor. I'm crossing the line. I want to be, I want to be wholehearted, radical for Jesus. If that's you, just stand to your feet right now. That's you. Say, I want, I want today. I don't care. I don't care what people say. I'm weak, but Lord, I know that you'll make me strong. Come on, everybody at your feet this morning. Everyone, everyone stand. Everyone stand. Just lift your hands to heaven. I just feel something in my spirit, in my heart. Sometimes as a pastor, can I just make a confession? I just have the spirit of dissatisfaction. I just want more. I want more of God. I want people to experience more of His presence. I want our church to be a light to this community. It torments me. It torments me that that we're not more of a brighter and shiner light. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That I want to reach people that no one wants. Because if we reach the people no one wants, God give us the people that everybody wants. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I just live inside. There's more that God... I don't want to leave this earth because I know there's more that God wants me to do for his kingdom. And it's not about Bubba McCann. It's about God's kingdom and what he wants to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I never want God to take that away from me. But can I just say something? I just want to give some of that burden to you this morning. It's a thing that I carry. It's like my son, Zach. I told him, he said, how's it feel now to be a a pastor? He goes, Dad, I'm waking up at night. I said, good. Then when you start waking up early in the morning, you're going to start seeing people's faces. I go, 
heart. You start praying for him. I called Pastor Josh the other day. I said, Pastor Josh, have you seen so-and-so? He goes, no. Think about it, Pastor Brother, have God's been, the Spirit of God's been speaking to me. Something's just not right in their heart. They're not here. It's not, they're not here this morning, so you don't have to look around. Just a burden. Listen, I don't, I don't care if they come to this church. I want them to go somewhere where they're going to get fed, where they're going to grow. Can we just, as a church, I want to do something this morning, okay? Can I do something? And if you can't physically do it, don't be condemned. But I just want to get on our knees this morning. Can we just get on our knees? If you can't get on your knees this morning, just sit in a chair. created by man we want you Lord you're the only one that can help those that are distraught those that are carrying weights that you never intended for them to carry Lord for those that are dissatisfied with life that have had thoughts and battles and temptations Lord we need you we know that when darkness is dark that the light becomes brighter And so, Lord, this morning we pray that you just shine your light upon our hearts. And, Lord, as you shine that light, I pray that you would free us. Free us from ourselves. Free us from the cares of this world. Free us from hidden things that no one knows but you know and we know. And, Lord, we just... We just give them to you. We lay them at your feet. We say, God, we're not going to pick that up anymore. We need your strength. We're weak. But when we read this morning how you would carry a man like Paul through prison and wear chains, we look at our afflictions and they're nothing. We're not hiding from someone knocking on our door. We're not running from someone trying to do things to our children. We live in such luxury and pleasure and freedom. God, just come. Just come. Touch your children. You know their needs. You know why they came this morning. You know what each needs. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill your people fresh. Fill them new. 
turn their tears of mourning into, into shouts of joy. this. How many of you sense the Spirit of God here this morning? Just listen. God just wants, this is what He wants to do more than anything. He loves us enough that He didn't want us to stay the same. Do you understand? He wants to bring personal revival in our own hearts. And it always starts right here. Right here. Me. Me. Are you hearing me? I just want to say this. I'm not going to be the same. I'm determined. I'm not going to be the same. I want, God, I want more of what God has for you, what he has for this community and for the people in this area. I don't want to settle for good. I want God's greatest for you, for this region, for this area. I don't want to settle I don't want to be like a junk peddler. I want to be like someone that's got pots of gold and silver and precious diamonds and things to give to people. But that only happens when you're willing to walk through the pressures of this life and, and, the, and the things that come against us. Am I making sense here? God wants to do that in you. So can I just pray over you? Then I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to come. Just stay where you're at, Father, right now. Just pray, Father, for each person here this morning. Lord, you know what each needs. You put your hand upon their lives. You love them. You just love them. And you would never want us to walk out of here the same. You want to give us a fresh hunger, a fresh desire for you. Lord, I pray that you'd give each person here a hunger for you they've never had in their life. I pray that you would make them more thirsty for you. They thought they knew thirst. I pray you'd make them thirstier. They just just couldn't get quenched. And Father, for those that have just settled for a small flame, I pray that you'd put a mighty fire in their spirit. Pray that you would burn the things up in us that don't need to be there. We know that precious gems and gold and silver have to be refined. And only its brilliance and its value comes out through the the pressures of this life. But Lord, help us to be a church. Help us to be a people. Help us to be a family that represents you. That we represent you well. We represent your strength. We represent your heart for this area. 